Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Our reading today is The Binding of Isaac, and it comes to us from Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, and chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. It's a tough story, but hope this word of hope reaches you. Thanks be to God. God bless you this day. Reading from Genesis, beginning in chapter 21. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We, uh, we got to take the kids to the movies last weekend, and that was a lot of fun. I love movie theaters. Um, during uh, the shutdown, it was one of those things that I missed the most. Maybe I've shared this before, but over a period of eight years, I worked in movie theaters. Just about every job you could do in the theater, I did. I was the ticket taker and a greeter, and all the I was 14 years old, and all the folks from the retirement home that would come to the early movies, they would say, are you old enough to be working here? I'd say, yeah, yes, yes, I am. I rode my bike here. Uh, 
I got to uh, I pay my dues as uh, selling concessions and making the popcorn and the sodas and selling the candy. I spent some time as an usher, of course, cleaning up the auditoriums, and finally graduated, moved upstairs, moving on up to the projectionist's room. We had to thread the projectors and take care of these big cans of film, and of course, it's, it's all digital now. You just push a button, make it go, download and run. But things change, we know that. But it's always a joy for me to go to the movie theater and see a movie. I don't even care what it is. And I, of course, I love the trailers, the coming attractions. Because the theaters were closed for so long, there's all these movies coming out now, uh, a, a long pileup of movies to be released. What I'm looking forward to is the new James Bond movie. Any James Bond fans? Yes. It's the fifth and final installment with Daniel Craig, and uh, it's called No Time to Die. I feel that in my soul. Don't have the time for that. Uh, but now we know how the movie ends, of course. It's not really a mystery. Uh, there's only been 26 of these films now. Bond reluctantly takes on a new mission. He gets a cool car and all the gadgets. And things blow up, and the bad guys try to stop him. So we wait and see how Bond will overcome each obstacle. We know the hero will win, and good will prevail. But it's still exciting to see what's going to happen next and how it all plays out. In Genesis, we hear a promise to Abraham. God gives us promise to make him the father of a great nation, to give him a son, even in his old age. And we read each continuing chapter in earnest, waiting to see, wondering how God will make this promise come true. Time passes, and in order to speed things along, Abraham has a child with uh, with his wife's servant, Hagar, names him Ishmael. And then only later does Sarah give birth to Isaac, named for his mother's laughter. Hagar and Ishmael are sent away. And Isaac remains the beloved son and heir until we hear that God has a test in store for Abraham. And as I said, this is one of those stories that maybe we'd like to skip over. It doesn't fit with our ideas of who God is. It doesn't seem to make sense. It seems maybe even unnecessary at times. And it raises questions. We struggle to make sense of it. And as the father of a son named Isaac, I'm not a fan of this story either. True story, my my brother just had a son, and his name is Abraham. So now we have an Abraham and an Isaac and a Jacob. Yes, we do. The patriarchs. Is this really about child sacrifice? Why would God do this? Is this the kind of God we have? It's troubling. And just last week, we heard the story of creation, about how God created the world in all its variety and called it good and made human beings in God's image and named him very good. Now we hear God putting Abraham to the test. How can this be? And even though we might not be literalists, we often get stuck in this mindset of literalism. And we read these stories like newspaper reports. It's how a large number of people have read scripture in this country for so long. But like last week's story, this one is helpful if we understand it as a teaching. 
just so much more than a historical account. In some Jewish traditions, many of them, scripture is for the purpose of provoking questions. It opens us up to get us thinking and wrestling with the text. We wrestle with God's word every day. To draw us into these rich traditions, to hear God's voice in our lives, we need that. So this story calls us to remember the promise, to watch and wait and see what God is going to do next. We know there are other Near Eastern cultures. There were in ancient times where people were made to give to their gods, to serve those gods, to keep them happy, to make sacrifices, to avoid divine wrath and anger, retribution and death, even sacrificing their own children. The good news comes when we hear in the story God intervening to put an end to the practice for the family of Abraham and all who would follow. But why test Abraham, this chosen one in the first place? Reed Carlson from United Lutheran Seminary notes that there were uh, additional Jewish writings that told the story in a different way, inserted characters like jealous angels or a Satan-like figure that instigated this test against Abraham, much like in the book of Job we hear that. Carlson writes, one purpose may have been to give voice to the doubts and concerns held by the community, but which may have been perceived as irreverent or contrarian. We weren't allowed to speak those questions or those doubts out loud all the time. This tradition shows we're not the first to struggle with these stories, a long, long time, a long, long history of struggling with these. But we have doubts and questions too. So we might wonder, why doesn't Abraham argue with God's request to sacrifice his son? After all, Abram just spent a good deal of energy pleading for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah in chapter 18. Why would he not plead for the life of this beloved son? How can this be? Read literally, this story gets interpreted as a call to blind obedience and can lead to all kinds of harm and oppressive theologies. But I want to say what's most important here in the story are the relationships between father and son, between the divine and human beings, between the people of faith and the world around them. Now we know that Abraham has two sons. He had a special relationship with Isaac, born in his old age, according to God's promise. Another version of the story told in other Jewish writings goes something like this. God said to Abraham, take your son. Abraham answered, I have two sons. God said, your only one. Abraham answered, each is the only one of his mother. God said, the one whom you love. And Abraham answered, is there any limit to a father's affections? And God said, Isaac. Maybe this story gets us thinking about the ways we have blindly followed what we were taught before. Maybe it gives us some new insight. Maybe we will think about the ways we have sacrificed the well-being of the ones we love to gods of productivity or prestige or to our own desires and needs. Maybe we take notice of how God is still speaking in our lives and still calling us to change directions. 
I don't have an easy explanation of why Abraham was willing to do this in the first place, to take the life of this beloved son. We hear the story and we cringe because we know it's not right and we're not proud of Abraham for going as far as he did. But then the angel of the Lord speaks, telling Abraham to stop. The test is finished. And God provides what is needed, a ram for the sacrifice. And Abraham names the place Moriah, or the Lord will provide, which would eventually become the place of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The Lord will provide. We have had or will have moments in our lives where we're caused to call everything into question. Everything we think we know about God, we wonder or doubt. We might feel like God is testing us when we face adversity or problems or disasters, large and small, grief or loss or illness or pain. And we always struggle to obey God's commands and the call God has placed on each of us. Not just me, right? Thank you. But God keeps whispering. Turn around. Look up. Listen. God is near. God tested Abraham, or so he thought. Was Abraham testing God, waiting waiting to see what God would do? God's going to win. We know the end of the story. And in the meantime, we still struggle. We still face difficult choices and upended plans and challenges. But God's story is the story of life, of promises kept, of God providing. Maybe this story reminds us that even in our difficult moments, we can know God's going to come through. God's character is that of a parent who loves and gives not one who takes and destroys what we love. Like the James Bond movies, we know how the story ends. The the hero wins, right? The hero dies, that's a different kind of movie. All kinds of things may get in the way. We have to see how the hero will navigate the obstacles, but we're not afraid because we know good's going to win in the end. We already know the ending of this story, too, how God provided. God provided the lamb. God moved to take away our sin, to bring us back to God and to one another. God gave his only son, Jesus, for the sake of the world. That good creation, the people and animals and plants and land and sea and sky, God's love walked into our lives and stayed with us. And even death, even death on a cross could not keep the promise from coming true. Jesus rose from the grave and sent us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us through every problem we face, through every illness, through every pain and doubt and question, to guide us as God's people through to whatever comes. And God's grace is for us. God's grace is forever. Nothing can stop it. The Lord will always provide. And this orients how we arrange our relationships, how we listen for God's voice in our lives, how we participate in the life of the world around us. 
as part of the family of faith in service to neighbors. We did that last week, friends and guests. You missed a great weekend. It was wonderful being out in the community, walking with one another, shoulder to shoulder, serving, painting curbs and fire hydrants and preparing hygiene kits and eating glorious food together with our Samoan church. It was a great time. Even when we do not know what's going to happen next, we can trust that God will be with us, that God will provide, that we are not alone in our questions and our doubts and our fears. We can firmly trust and believe that we have a God, a creative God, a life-giving God, a generous God who gives us the splendor of earth and sky and sea and plant life and animals and makes us in that divine image too. It's the first thing we hear in scripture for a reason. Our God promises life and love and forgiveness and provides everything we need for a life of faithful service and discipleship and love in this life, here and now. And God's promise of abundant life begins right here in our baptism, and nothing can stand in the way of this story of life and love. God's promises coming true. Amen.